This is Politicking with Curtis Schoon with special guest Jason Whitlock. Good evening, Jason Whitlock. It's good to be here, Curtis, on a Monday night. Uh, I got a little trip I got to make to Dallas in the morning, and so uh, we'll go late tonight. Hopefully, hopefully it don't get too dark in here. I, th- I got some extra light on, but I think we could. Yeah, 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 man. Uh, I, I hope too much don't happen between now and uh, the morning. It's been a busy week on the internet with, with um, our boy Kwame um, Brown, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll be good. Because, again, you tape tonight means we can put it out earlier. Yeah. So we won't get caught by the news cycle. Look, nothing's going to trump Kwame Brown uh, and what the impact and what he's done uh, in the past week has been amazing. How, how do you see it? Because for me, I think, um, I think Kwame, he's resonating with a lot of um, regular people. Uh, you know, there's, there's talk about his language and his delivery. But the truth is that language and delivery, that's what's reaching so many people. I, I guess that's where they're at, you know? So he's talking to people in the language they understand. I disagree think? with that. Well, go ahead. I, I don't think it's the language. I think it's actually the actual substance of what he's saying is, is resonating. I think people have been thirsty for someone to say what he's saying without apology, who they believe is on the side of black people. And so uh, take, cause see, see, because Kwame was so off the radar and he's caught people by such surprise, the left hadn't already done a marketing, a disinformation, a smear campaign on Kwame. So when he comes out, people aren't pre, uh, pre-programmed to think that uh, he's just a right-wing puppet. Oh, he's an agent of white supremacy. Oh, he just wants to be on Fox News. Oh, he's just a coon. He's just Uncle Tom. People, because there's been no pre-programming of the masses and he's coming from out of nowhere, uh, I think people are just hearing him differently and he's made it crystal clear that he's not here at the trying to promote anything but what he believes is positive change and positive energy for black people. And I, I think he's speaking some truths, truths that go way beyond uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson and Charlemagne the God. Those, those guys are just props for him to use to draw attention. What's actually keeping people's attention, again, is the substance of what he's saying. I'm gonna go, it's like, he's he's saying stuff. When I was in college, I've I've said this and talked about this. I used to get a Farrakhan speech tape delivered to my dorm or my house, off-campus house, probably once a month. 
At one point, I think I had a subscription to the final call. And it was because Farrakhan used to keep black people or his message was about keeping black people accountable. And he used to draw big crowds and he drew a million people to D.C. because people believe like this guy is actually only interested in us and he's telling us what we need to hear. And yes, again, I'm not Farrakhan is related to his relationship with Jewish people and the, the shit he has said about Jewish people. I get why Jewish people are bothered by that. But I'm telling you, in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, Farrakhan spoke to black men like me. He What he said resonated. Us taking control of our culture and representing it properly, the patriarchy, men being men, he spoke to all of that. And I see Kwame Brown doing the exact same thing. I, I don't think it's the profanity. I really don't even think it, the, the smoke with Steven Jackson and Charlemagne and all that, that will get you some attention for about five minutes. But this dude is putting out videos for 30, 60, 90 minutes, two hours. That smoke ain't making you sit there that long. It's the substance. See, uh, I see the substance in it for sure. And I'm definitely, I, I support Kwame Brown. How, however, I think um, you can't discount the role of spectacle in his popularity because he's been, I just learned myself that he's been uh, doing interviews and posting it online and talking some really good stuff for a while and nobody tuned into it. So what, what's the difference between then and now? And I think the mob loves spectacle. I think there's an element of him being the underdog and people are rooting for the underdog. I, I, I think that, um, and none of it is bad. I'm just saying that it's, it's kind of ironic that it's that type of energy to get our attention all the time. And that's not to criticize Kwame at all, because I think he was very much um, in his right to respond to 20 years of him being the butt of jokes. It was long overdue. But I'm not going to act like people are all of a sudden noticing something in him that they didn't see for the past couple of years when he's been posting uh, his points on on. on on YouTube or doing Instagram live and talking to Tommy Sotomayor and all of this stuff. And they didn't seem to care and, and never underestimate the value of spectacle. Uh, I, I don't. Spectacle is why Death Row Records and Tupac sold so many records. You see, when Kwame is 100% right about tearing black men down, Tearing black men down to me has always been the easy come up for everyone. Black women, white men, white women, black men. And, and some black men, I think, deserve to be torn down. And the way that I personally balance that is that I make no bones about criticizing the Leo Cohens, 
the Jimmy Ivins. If I'm going to criticize Dr. Dre, I always make sure to criticize Jimmy uh, Jimmy Ivins because the truth of the matter is, just because they're black doesn't mean they're above criticism. But but like he said, you have to be willing to do more than criticize other black people. And I'm not giving anybody a pass, black, white, Jew, or other. So here's what I'm going to say. First of all, take the success of Kevin Samuels. And that I don't, maybe there is, there is some spectacle to what Kevin Samuels does. Oh, of course there is. But, but it ain't profane. No. It's not what Kwame's doing. No. In Kevin Samuels, what he would argue is like, I'm trying to tell black women what they need to hear if they want to attract a high value man and have a sustainable relationship with a high value man. And does that lead to some tension? because these women completely disagree with me, and this is the first time they've heard that? Absolutely. But but, but I don't think Kevin Samuels is out trying to uh, create just spectacle for the sake of spectacle so he can be popular. I think, not saying this is a criticism, but I think Tommy Sotomayor's critics would say he went more the spectacle route and Kevin Samuels is coming with the suited, booted, mainstream, and it's working to big effect. And I made the point uh, over social media, I don't think it's a coincidence that Kevin Samuels and Kwame Brown have virtually no presence over Twitter. They're not wasting their time with Twitter the way you and I are. They are leaning into Instagram Live, YouTube, they're leaning into a longer form of expression that they control. It's live. And again, it's no different. You know, people will hop in the comments at the bottom of all of our podcast, uh, these podcasts we've been doing. And the prevailing man, I didn't like Whitlock, but hearing, <laughs> hearing him in this form. I see where he's coming from, or he's 100% right. And it, and literally, when you are trying to convey substance, Twitter is not the platform to do it. Substance takes longer to unpack. And I give Kevin Samuels and Kwame credit for realizing that and not being like you and I, two guys that would think of themselves as like, man, we're trying to convey substance. We spend way too much time over Twitter. The other point I'm going to make, I think it's very easy to say there's no easier come up than criticizing black men. And and I'm telling you, from my 30-year career as a journalist, being right and arguing something of substance whether you're criticizing black or white, that's the come up. I'm a, I made a, I, I made a national name for myself sitting in Kansas City writing for a newspaper that no one cared about, the Kansas City Star, and I made my name clown suiting uh, Carl Peterson. Uh, 
Scott Pioli, and Marty Schottenheimer. If anybody, if anybody would go look at the 16 years, they would say, man, Whitlock clown suited these guys, and that's what he was known for. Them is three white dudes. I called King, I called Carl Peterson, King Carl Peterson. The guy hates me to this day. I called Scott Pioli, Scott E. Goley. The guy hates me to this day. Marty Schottenheimer, I believe, has passed away or has Alzheimer's. Can't say that Marty hated me, but he was not a big fan of mine. I criticized these guys. I crit- The mayors of Kansas City, uh, council. Anyway, I, I made my name. And again, I did I occasionally criticize some out athletes and things like that? Yes. I used to write the Chiefs column and blah, blah, blah. But what I was known for in Kansas City was clown shooting Carl Peterson, Scott Pioli, and Marty Schottenheimer. It made me a national person that ESPN wanted to have on their shows and blah, blah, blah. So it, it does, if your criticism is accurate, profound, compelling, humorous, you're going to find an audience. And that's what I'm seeing with Kwame Brown. I don't, maybe this dude without any media experience is just a natural and he's a genius. Maybe somebody's helping him, but I see real substance, and I see I see somebody that <clears throat> and he he said there, there's two things I think motivating Kwame. One is the guy has a 16 year old son mm. who I'm gonna make an assumption. I don't know if this is true. His son probably either cares about sports or is playing sports. And if I've listened listened to Kwame, he's trying to uh, protect his ability to be a positive influence in his son's life. And what he's basically been saying that everybody is either ignoring or or not smart enough to see, but what he's basically saying is, y'all clowning me as a bust. 20 years after my career is over, my son is now listening to all the smoke. He watches ESPN's mm. The Jump, blah, blah, blah. And y'all got me out here like I'm a bust and a failure and I'm a laughing stock. I have to go deal with my son after you idiots are trying to act like I'm some failure that, that nobody respects. He's trying to protect his ability to be the best father he can be with all of his kids but certainly with this 16-year-old son, who I would assume is some sort of athlete or fan of athletics and is paying attention to this. And he's basically saying, man, I'm sitting around doing nothing. And I got guys clowning me. I haven't played in in seven, eight years. I I certainly haven't said anything. And so he drew a line and said, I'm going to stop this shit. That's one. And then two, he's smart enough and has enough backbone and he's sitting there saying, what are these clowns representing? He talked about it today, Monday, Monday morning. He put out a video about Steven Jackson and, and said that, look, and he did it respectfully. It wasn't just a full-blown attack. Again, he's getting to the substance of his message that, Stephen, you're 40-some-odd years old. You got this popular podcast that young people are watching. And you want to portray yourself as a gangster. And you, you, you won't leave 
this gangster label alone. And so therefore you have to live up to that reputation. And I, he goes, I'm Matt Barnes, basically the same thing. You, you the tough guy, blah, blah. So now you have to live up to that tough guy reputation. And he's saying, y'all modeling this behavior for so many kids, they want to put on the gangster tough guy label. And we're wondering why that anytime anybody disagrees with them, they feel like they got to live up to this reputation and get violent with people. The guy's got a really deep, provocative message. And again, he's some basketball player. And again, this is the kind of stuff I felt like I was hearing from a Farrakhan when I was in college and young. Nobody is saying this shit on, on a national platform. Uh, and this dude is... Curtis, if you listen to our conversations, if you listen to the way you represent yourself, your street credibility is enormous. But are you sitting here at 56 trying to live up to that reputation? Not Absolutely at all. Not. <laughs> you got kids, for one. You know that other young people, you're trying to do things in Detroit and other places. You know, why feed people that kind of poison? Why would I want to box myself in as a grown ass man that I have to go out and behave like a child? And and anybody I disagree with, uh, them is fighting words and blah, blah, blah. I just think Kwame's, this dude has been blessed. And I think there's something, look, it's either it's calculated or it's spiritual or, or something, but I just think this dude's message is right on time and all these all these people that should be doing this type of messaging just lebron james again he called out lebron james uh about the show the shop he this dude gets an hbo show with all this backing and and the first thing he wants to do again kwame didn't go here i'm going here to sit up on TV and drop the N-word and act all gangster and act all tough guy, blah, blah, blah. He's like, man, LeBron could be telling people about his family and the devotion he has to his wife and what they're doing with their kids. and He could be representing something really positive and powerful. And instead, everybody wants to live up to this rap culture bullshit. Well, see, a couple things. Uh, Twitter. The, the visuals work with people who don't like to read. They just It just does. And that's not indicative of just the black community. Reading is at an all-time low, I believe. You understand? So it, it's, it, of course you're going to re- reach more people. Half of the times, they might not... Reach more people where? Um, with YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. The, the, the visuals... It, it, that's that's okay, a form of communication. Yep. You know, when you write on Twitter, and especially if you don't want to sound redundant, you start utilizing your vocabulary. And I know that I use words that lose people because that's not words that they use in their everyday language. My hope in doing that is not to try to flex like I'm smart, but it's to try to encourage people to look up the word and expand their own vocabulary because that's what I do when I see words I don't understand. But some people don't want to work, man. I, I, when I see Instagram and, and stuff like that, 
I'm gonna tell you what's really popular. The Instagram comedians, people like to laugh. There's a comic, uh, a comedic aspect to what Kwame has been doing. And that is very popular online. He's, when I say he's talking to, to people in their language, I don't mean literally. He's talking to them on a level in a, a way that they are very receptive to. And that, that can be done more interestingly in a visual format. If you was to write that shit, it wouldn't be that interesting. Mm, I disagree there. You see, if you was if you was to write that shit, if he was to if he was to write exactly what he said, the way he said it, people wouldn't pay attention. And also, not as many people. And also, I'll say this, right? Well, he's not a writer, so that would be like we we talk about the trend. The, tra- the you know the transferring of words the exact same words all I'm doing is underlining the value of the visuals I'm not taking anything away from them the visual is what's selling them because the visual is where people are right now a lot of people you see when you when you write you're forcing them to work and I'll tell you this his message also isn't resonating with a certain educational level of people I've seen people on my timeline, complaining about his delivery. Da, da, da. A guy tagged me and you today talking about, he asked his wife about Kwame and she didn't know who he was. And I responded to him. I said, you're a world traveler because he's in Africa. He does business over there. He and his wife are always traveling overseas, making their moves. Kwame's not talking to those people. Yet. Not, well, okay, I'll give you that. I'm t- there's a process. Hey, listen, I ain't taking nothing away from Kwame. I'm just trying to dissect his success. And hopefully, I've I seen, like, seen as he's going along, he's getting a, a, a better direction. And he's talking about other things in a different manner. He's off the jokes now, well, pre- somewhat. And he's, he's starting to get focused. And I think as he does more of that, he will attract more people. He's going to keep the people he ruled, he uh, reeled in with the jokes, but he has to expand what he's doing to include even more people. In my opinion, in my opinion. But, but what I don't disagree with your opinion. The only thing we seem to potentially disagree on is, I think he has every intent of doing that. I, I don't. I don't know that he doesn't. I, listen, if if he does. If he wants to do it and doesn't know how to, I would love to help him for free from behind the scenes. I want him to do that. It looks like he's going in that direction. I don't know how far he can go on his own. But I listen, I wish him Godspeed. Here's what I would say this, Curtis. I, I just wouldn't doubt this dude. And I don't want to sound like I'm not doubting anybody. I'm, I'm just not predicting dude, the future. I know. I I'm just. I think this dude's really smart, and sure. Would I? I've certainly. I've communicated with him, offered my help, but I'm starting to, perhaps realize, maybe he don't need my help. I, I didn't know, say look because everything I'm seeing makes sense. All you do some things to start a fire, and. You let the fire build up. It's like grilling. You let the fire build up, and then you let it cool off to a point. 
before you put the meat on. And it's perfect for cooking. And that's what I'm seeing is like, even just today, the video I watched today, and maybe I watched two of them, I'm already seeing the transition. I'm already seeing the- I am too. Uh, and so he's executing it. This is like people, when I was started out in Kansas City, and uh, there was a lot of things I wrote early on just to establish myself. And then I started breaking them off with bigger picture stuff, stuff that went beyond sports. And it's like you do some things to get everybody's attention. There's a process that this dude is going through. And I just look, man, when I looked up and so and I know you you cool with Charlemagne, but when I looked up (laughs) and, and saw, you know, Charlemagne apologized today. Yeah, I saw that. And and I told him I, I think he did the right thing. Yeah. He did. I'm not sure if the apology was sincere, but he did do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And uh Did I, you I, listen to it? Yeah. Oh, I, he went into debt, man. I, I know, but I don't yeah, he had a gun to his head. This idiot Again, the, the mistake he made, because, and again, you know I don't like Charlamagne because okay. he attacked me. I'm just going to be, I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to be underhanded or whatever, but j- just this is the kind of hypocrisy that Kwame's pointed out and people are accepting of where because of the pre-programming and the smearing of me, I wasn't able to say it. Kwame's opened the door for me to now say what I've always thought about Charlemagne and how the Kwame thing proves it. You know, Kwame, I mean, uh, me and Charlemagne got crossways or he attacked me because LeVar Ball came on a Fox Sports show and uh, he, he, he got into a little saucy debate with white chick on the show, Christine Leahy. And the shit spun out of hand. She's 26, 27 years old. This dude is whatever he is, 50, and came at her in an aggressive way. And I'm watching it, and I can just see, like, this white woman is scared to death because uh, basically LeVar has legalized all of rigged-up black Twitter to attack this woman over nothing, over her little simple-minded or not simple-minded, I'm sorry to say that, over her harmless opinion of him. And they done built it up like, oh, she's trying to put this guy in a tough situation. And so I came in because just quite frankly, and Kyle Hurd's got to deal with it. To me, Kyle Hurd wasn't man enough to go in there and defend the person that was on his show. And so eventually I came in took the heat off this young girl, put it on me. But anyway, Charlemagne and these guys, Charlemagne attacks me, donkey of the day, blah, blah, blah. And that started some smoke between me and Charlemagne. But, but and it, it was all based on the principle, oh, look what Christine Leahy did to LeVar Ball. She could have did this, and I'm, I'm standing up for this. And this motherfucker... Last week or whenever, Friday, whenever he, this motherfucker goes on his show and starts talking about this man's daddy and the crimes he committed 
this man's brother and the crimes he committed and basically says, man, Kwame's like his brother and his father. He'll snap and he may kill y'all. So the very shit that he thinks he's accusing me of doing, he just did to Kwame Brown in the most reprehensible way possible. The most rep, the, again, and this is why Kwame is, these ignorant buffoons that they give platforms to, who think they so pro-black and they do, and all they doing is checking their Twitter feed and licking their finger and seeing which way the wind's blowing. There's no fucking substance to any of them. And this man did, literally, this ain't even dry snitching. This man just basically, out of his little love affair with Matt Barnes, put a target on Kwame's back so that anybody can say anything they wanted about Kwame. He done portrayed this dude as violent and uncontrollable, and he may snap just like his daddy. This is, if a white man had done it, it would be called the most racist shit we've ever seen. But since a black man did it, and so I'm glad Kwame mm -hmm. called this clown out. And, and I know that's your guy, and I'm God trying damn. to ease up because <laughs> this is what I saw from day oh, one. Hey, I would go behind you. Go ahead, let it all out, man. Let it all out. <laughs> all right, full disclosure, right? I'm not personal friends with Charlemagne. Uh, I, I clashed with Charlemagne on Twitter over Farrakhan, right? Um, and then we we started DMing each other, and uh, look, man, the dude he got in my film. He he, he set an interview for my film. He had my guy Coleman Young up at um, the Breakfast Club when Coleman was running for mayor in Detroit, and then he turned around and had me and Asia up there to promote my film that he was in. That's three times he, he, he made himself and his platform available to me. Now, keep in mind, I've never done anything for Charlemagne. Haven't heard from him since I was on there two years ago, two and a half years ago. So it's, it's not like we're friends, right? But I do have certain principles. And, and 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 to me, right is right. What he did, what you and him went through, both of y'all are media guys, and y'all feed off of that attention with each other. That drives the ratings and the interest and everything. Again, because spectacle is a big part of getting people's attention for, for damn near everybody, right? And, and sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes you didn't even ask for it, but you find yourself in the midst of it and shit. While you got the attention, you, you milk it, right? But I think his apology, I, I hope it was sincere. You know, I do. And, and I hope that, um, that Kwame accepts it and moves on because he, he, he made Charlemagne eat crow, man. Charlemagne publicly made himself donkey of the day. And, and, and the way how he talked, at length, it wasn't like a brief, you know, I, 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 I made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. He, he specifically detailed how what he said could have been detrimental 
and hurt that man and so on, and hurt other people and so on and so forth. So I think so I don't I don't think Charlemagne is the story. I, I would love for Kwame to get past Charlemagne, get past Matt Barnes, get past Stephen. Oh, he's Jackson. moving past him. And, and that's all that's all I'm saying. And Charlemagne, Charlemagne gave him the key, the, gave him the lane for that. And I wished, excuse, excuse me, not that I wish. I think it would be nice if Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson followed Charlemagne's lead. That would be the smarter thing to do other than inviting them on the show and we can box before, during, and after, and all of that. Just be grown and, and, and apologize to the dude because he got, first of all, he didn't ask to be ridiculed. Uh, somebody sent me a clip of Gilbert Arenas talking and it looked like it looked like Matt definitely wasn't feeling um Kwame. I what I heard wasn't didn't seem that bad to me. But again, I don't know any of these people, so I don't know what kind of school. Just this guy's trying to protect his ability to be a father. I listen. Everybody's sitting on TV I just get that. laughing at you off the rip and your son Look, watching. I, I get that. I get that. But th again, I'm gonna say that I I'm smart enough to know what I don't know, right? I don't know what kind of dealings behind the scenes with Charlemagne and Kwame, with Kwame and Stephen, Kwame and Gilbert, Kwame. All I know is what I see publicly. Because from, from the reactions and the extent that everybody's going, I'm thinking that there's more going on than meets the eye with all of this shit, man. Like, yo, for real. Curtis, man. And again, this is why we're talking about it again. The culture, Kwame is potentially changing the so-called culture. That I've never I, seen. I would love to believe that, man. I, I really would. But that's I don't know. the only thing that explains the reaction. Because again, he's not lying when he said these are the gatekeepers of chaos. He's basically Charlemagne. Stephen A., Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes, they are the gatekeepers of the culture is basically what Kwame's calling them out. That's why he's putting them on blast the way that he is. And, and, and I'm just sorry, Charlemagne hit this dude, as many people as this dude has clowned. He had lawyers hit this dude with a cease and desist letter because he was calling him out about the rape case or the delinquency of a minor or whatever case that Charlemagne beat. So his first instincts were, let me call some lawyer. After I done put this man's business out there and framed him up as a violent guy who may be the next school shooter, let me now hit him with a cease and desist letter and then when, when Kwame said, nah, man, that cease and desist letter ain't going to do nothing but put make me pour some more gas, that's when he went to the apology. After his lawyers failed and Kwame opened up more fire, that's when he wanted that smoke up off his ass, and that's when he went to the apology. And, and I'm just sorry. If let's say Kwame was having far less social media success, and wasn't this fire or this 
movement or whatever you want to call Kwame if he wasn't this juggernaut coming from out of nowhere? Let's suppose Kwame has said all this shit and everybody uh, in social media ignored him or he was a laughing stock. Do you think Charlemagne would have apologized? I, I don't know. I, he, I, have an, I have a. He's supposed to. Uh, what he said about his father and his brother, yeah. even if true, it didn't have anything to do. No, it's true, but you can't frame again. But yeah, it didn't have anything to do with what yeah. what they were talking about. It was totally unrelated, so it made it uncalled for. And I think he understands that. That's why he apologized. No, I think this is blown up in his face. The cease and desist letter didn't work. Kwame seems to be getting more and more powerful. Yes. He wants out of the way of that. Because if Kwame was having no success, if he didn't, the dude's now got like 200,000 followers, subscribers on YouTube out of nowhere in a week's time. He now 150,000 on Instagram. His voice seems to be getting stronger. If it wasn't, let's say Kwame had called him out and his YouTube subscribers was at 20,000 and his Twitter following was still at 15,000. I guarantee you, Charlemagne wouldn't have been donkey of the day to uh, Monday morning and he would be clowning Kwame, acting like he's did nothing wrong. Because Kwame ain't the first person to call this dude out. Oh, he's it's, just the it's first one to voice an apology. I heard Star, the evil Star, he, he had... Um the alleged victim and her mom on his platform and um, Wendy Williams' ex, Kevin Hunter, he's saying he's about to come out the woodworks with something. And so it, it's, it's, it's snowballing for Charlemagne. And um, I, I don't know. They're all employees. Let's say this. Charlemagne is an employee. Matt Barnes is, a, is an employee. Steven Jackson is an employee. There's only so much they can say on their own. And as a matter of fact, whoever's paying them or invested money in their platforms, they may be the ones with the lawyers saying, listen, we got to stop this. I don't even think it's their call anymore because when you're a worker, you've, you've kind of like, you know, You've handed over your rights for that because it's their show. You're sitting there talking and doing what you do, but they have to protect the investment. And that means they have to protect you as well. So I, I, I believe that um, even with the gatekeeper comment, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson are connected to Showtime, correct? Of course. Okay. Charlemagne is connected to uh, iHeart's media. I don't even know where they're at on the in the pyramid. They might all be connected for 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 all we know. I don't, you know, I think there's only there's only six media companies in America. And I, I think they look out for each other, man. So I, I wouldn't be surprised because I was stunned, not just at what Charlemagne said, but that he even got involved in in that little skirmish. Because, I mean, when did he get a chance to be real cool with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson? Like Curtis, I, 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 think, I think you may be a little bit isolated in New York. 
and and not by the city, but I just think by your personality. I don't think you understand. Yeah, I don't think you understand how these celebrities move, and and I don't because you're. Kwame calls them the go along, get along game. <laughs> and and I, I'm amazed at just how <laughs> smart, intuitive, instinctive this dude is. Or, 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 or maybe he's just seen it all. But, dude, these people are in each other's DMs and text messaging constantly. And that's, he, he talked about it again today. They're all in little groups. They're not man enough to stand on their own two feet. And so, and this goes to, this is so much bigger than just uh, uh, Charlemagne and and Matt Barnes and all the, from Sean King to the Sean King, the little fake black dude or whatever. He's another- Yeah, he's another gatekeeper. And they're all communicating over Twitter and Instagram and coordinating who's in. It's like a little who's in, who's out, who who we gonna protect. And mm-hmm. so, the, 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 of course, Matt Barnes and Charlemagne are in the little clique and talking to each other and and having each other's back and wanted and thought they were gonna shut down Kwame at the snap of a finger. And, and the bigger point that he's that Kwame's trying to make, because he talked about it again today, just about about being on a tractor and being friends with people that are plumbers. And basically he's saying, I'm a man of the people. Them dudes are a bunch of elites that that ain't man enough to stand on their own two feet. Everything's got to be a gang, a gang, a street gang. That's what he keeps going after Steven Jackson about. Or the little elite club that's all going to the same parties and making sure that I, when I walk into a party, everybody's all good with me. And so it's a little group of elites that shit on people that they think have no power. Again, I've told you, I think Steven Jackson's well-intentioned. His actions don't back it up a lot of times. He's admitted he's a work in progress, even at 43 years old, but just imagine, because these all guys all criticize me because you know who I criticize? LeBron James at the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. When, when Kobe Bryant was playing basketball, criticized him because I liked Shaq more than him and didn't think blah, blah, blah. Kobe Bryant at the top of the food chain. When Michael Jordan was a player, I criticized him at the top of the food chain. These little groupie, tough guy, gangsters, they all shoot down. Do they you do. understand? They do, do you understand? They do. Kwame Brown is what he's basically saying. It's like, man, I ain't bothering nobody. I ain't saying nothing to nobody. Why the hell y'all cracking jokes on me? I got black skin, just like Kobe. Who, who y'all groupie for and act like if anybody says, oh man, Kobe played in a selfish style or whatever. Again, I'm talking about Kobe as a basketball player. And these little groupies is all upset. Oh, you criticize Kobe. LeBron do some ignorant shit, pretend like, oh, I'm afraid to go outside and black men can't even go outside without getting hunted. I criticize him for that. Oh, why are you always attacking LeBron James? Why, you, why don't you attack somebody like 
Kwame Brown. <laughs> way beneath you. These are groupies. These are groupies for the elite. They're not down with black people. They're down with elites. And it's all a smokescreen and a scam. It, it is. And, and racism is their hustle. So that's how they they come they sell themselves as being relatable. So they they they're the tax bracket and social circle so removed from the people they they claim to represent and speak for that the Stephen Jackson's defense and I'm sorry for being this passionate or more, but Stephen Jackson's early defense about this was like everybody cracks jokes on Kwame Brown. Why are you mad with me? Do you understand? That's how a bully thinks. Oh, everybody beats up the little dude, blah, blah, blah. So why are you mad at But you're the big tough guy. You shooting down all the time. Yeah, yeah. And But the, what I'm saying to your point about them being elites and so on and so forth is that their only hustle is to, is to identify themselves with the struggle of racism and police brutality. They hang around white people all day. They're more comfortable around white people, as a matter of fact, because the black people they be around are like themselves. They got their own little cabal, little clique, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? But that the police brutality and, and racism is how they sell themselves to the black majority, the black population. Listen, we're just like you. Never mind that I got houses all over the country. And I got a garage. And got police security guards that I'm paying. Yeah, but I'm just like you, and I'll tell you why. Because when I moved into my $29 million mansion, they spray-painted nigga on the door. Nobody saw it, but I'm just like you. You understand what I'm saying? And and when I see police, even though I'm worth, I don't know, maybe a half a billion dollars by now, who knows? I get scared when I see police. See, and, and that's the lie they sell because they want the average black person to think, even though I got money, I, I'm dealing with the same struggles you are, like hell you are. You know, and y'all need to stop that lie. And, and, and all they do is ex- exacerbate problems because you got people who's already down and not feeling good about themselves. And then they see these examples of successful black people saying that they're having the same issues. So it makes you feel like, damn, even if I get money, I got to deal with this. These white people, they hate us. They want us dead. Look, they try to lynch Jussie Smollett. You understand what I'm saying? Like this is, And this is all of their game. If you pay attention to all of these black people, man, these black elites, racism is their focus. And it's not because they're fighting racism. It's because they're duping average black people into thinking, you know what? I'm not really like these white people I'm around all the time. I'm more like you. It goes so far, Jason, that any black person in the spotlight who talks about racism all the time, who writes books about racism, I don't trust that motherfucker, yo. Because racism is just their hustle. These people have a lot of money. And like I said last week, they can form PACs. They can run their own candidates. They do none of those things. It's a whole bunch of symbolic gestures, lip service, and what have you. 
hashtags. Yeah, LeBron donated $2 million to a school. I don't have $2 million, but it's a public school. It's a public school. And they put his name on it or something to that effect. And yo, man, he doesn't have anything to do with the curriculum or anything. Because if I put $2 million into something, I would at least want to have say so and what these kids are learning because I would want to get the most ROI on my 2 million. But when you got 400 million, 2 million come like $20 and it makes your, your, your efforts That's just great, great, PR. great PR. Yeah, come on, it's just great PR. Yeah. But see, people only got $20. They're like, man, he gave up $2 million. It, it is, it, it, he did give up $2 million, but unless you get involved with the curriculum, he, he, I'm good press, man. That's it. I, I'm gonna defend him on this. He does have some influence over the school in terms of how they spend money feeding the kids and some of, some, some of, he has what about the curriculum. No, I, I get it, but he has. Have you heard? You got to get involved with the curriculum. Curtis, and, and listen, I, I'm hoping that the next person that want to donate schools to schools, millions of dollars, they hear this and they make sure that they get involved with the curriculum because these well, there's kids, been plenty. They, they, huh? There's been David Robinson did this shit a long time ago without the fanfare. The former San Antonio. Sport. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Jalen Rose been in the Jalen Rose Academy. Hell, I donated money to that, but but. Let's just be real. I don't want LeBron James anywhere near the curriculum. This man can barely <laughs> speak English. He certainly can't write it if you go look at his social on, media. Man. I don't. These are just facts, Curtis. But go listen, his, his listen, 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 listen. The same people who the same people who advised him to donate that money said, "This is a good look for you." Yeah, they can also guide him on the curriculum. I right. get what you're saying. Okay, but again, I you you acting like LeBron needs to be in there teaching history or anything. Well, same advisors. He at least need to make sure he's with the Malcolm X book. He's walking around with the Malcolm X. They ask him a question about it, and he made it crystal clear he hadn't read a word of it. And you want him involved with the curriculum? LeBron got you turned up, bro. I want that dude on a basketball court getting triple doubles and leading the Lakers to championships. That's what he's qualified to do. I agree. But if he's going to give up $2 million, man, please make sure that something productive gets done with that $2 million. That's all I'm I, saying. I'm going to defend him on this. I think in his mind, and I think there's a credible defense, something productive is getting done with that $2 million. He, You know, I, I think it costs maybe – he put in $2 million, That was like 5 10% of the budget. Who knows? Yes. And so, yes, I believe most of it was a PR move, but it's not the worst thing in the world. I think some of LeBron's intentions are good. I just don't think he's that well thought out. I think he surrounded himself with people that aren't that well thought out. And then the white people that are influencing him only have a political interest in him. How can he help us attain power? And that's all of them because they're all employees, no matter how much money they got. And I just want to share this with you, right? The reason why I say that, and it's because I, I don't I don't have anywhere near the money these guys got. Nowhere near. But I, I try to do certain things. And when you don't know, right, you do things that you've heard other people 
have done. So one year, my business partner and I, we gave out um, school supplies to kids with the book bags and all that stuff. And uh, the, they weren't really that enthused about that stuff. Some, some people were selling it like literally a block or two away, like we could see it. And, and the same thing we did, we gave away turkeys one year. And I'm not telling people not to give away school supplies or not to give away turkeys. But I think if you really want to help people, you got to kind of get more involved with just spend, more involved than just spending money and giving them something. You got to kind of put the time and effort into knowing what, what is it they really need and what is it they're going to really have to use to make sure your money and your, your effort doesn't get squandered just so you could say you did a good deed. Because I, I gave out school supplies that I paid for and I gave out turkeys that I paid for. But when I seen some of the things that was going on with it, I didn't feel so good about what I did anymore. And this is why Kwame Brown is potentially important. Because what you're talking about is a lack of respect for education within time. within Black culture. And he has started talking about this in terms of like, hey, these guys that have platforms, y'all are so concerned with George Floyd and not concerned with these young kid, not to denigrate George Floyd, but let's just keep it real. This dude was putting guns to women's, pregnant women's bellies. This guy was not out trying to make an impact, any kind of positive impact on the world. But y'all, George Floyd's family is going to have dinner with Joe Biden and him at the White House. Someone listed me George Floyd's contribution to American society. And if Joe Biden and them can start telling me that, hey man, we're inviting the parents of, I'm just making up this name, LaRon Miller's parents, because uh, they did such an incredible job with LaRon. He just graduated valedictorian of some high school and he came from uh, an alleged at-risk neighborhood or blah, 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 and did this incredible thing and he worked his part-time job and still got straight A's and his valedictorian of this high school. Them parents can't never get invited to the fucking White House, but George Floyd, and I'm sorry, because I've had a cousin die because of police misconduct. I understand the pain. I can relate to it. But damn it, you got to tell me what George Floyd contributed to this society other than his death. I, I think if you ask anybody, let, I don't know what day George Floyd died. May 25th, I believe. But if you ask anybody, forget his death, forget... Derek Chauvin, if you ask anybody on May 20th, would you want your son 
to grow up to be like George Floyd, nobody would have said yeah. And now he's a celebrity posthumously. And it's it's again, it's not not I'm I'm with you on this. It's not to kick the dead, but what kind of standards and values are we exhibiting here, you know? And um his family already got 27 or 29 million. The cop has already been convicted on all counts. Okay, it's it's over now. Justice has been served, has it not? The cop, the cop, he, he committed a crime. There's nothing else the law uh, permits than what happened to the cop. What were the three charges he was convicted of? Uh, first degree murder, second degree murder? Second degree and third degree, and I think a manslaughter charge. Yeah, look, man, that's it. He's done. And and on top of that, the family got $27 million. I think nothing can replace a life, but, man, they the country showed that they cared. They did. And... and I think it's over. And right now what's happening is that Joe Biden and the Democrats, I see, I don't blame George Floyd or his family. It's the politicization of what's happening now of the George Floyd uh, incident of the police brutality cases. It's all being politicized and being exploited to manipulate black people emotionally to get them to vote for a certain party. I'll share something with you, right? So my guy Coleman Young in Detroit, I wanted him to run as an independent, right? And I'm talking to some people who's heavy in politics in Detroit. I wanted him to run as an independent because I wanted to send a message to the Democrat party that we could win without you, right? especially in a city like Detroit that's 80-something percent Black and with a name like Coleman Young, his father's like a living, I mean, like a legend in that town, not a living legend because he's been deceased for 20, 27 years now. But you know what they told me? They said, why would you do that? They said, listen, man, he need to run as a Democrat because as bad as it sounds, all the people are gonna do is go in there and vote Democrat down the line. Curtis, <laughs> Curtis, hold for one second. I need you to keep talking. I'm yeah. gonna adjust the lighting here okay. in, in my room. I'll be right back. All right. Yeah, so uh I just, you know, I think the Democrats, through the use of the celebrities, they have been manipulating the black community to vote a certain way. And I don't think people should focus on, man, they trying to blame George Floyd, they disrespecting the dead, nah. Look, man, I think that cop, what he did was wrong. I think he got what he deserved, but I think that's it though, it's over now. Time to move on, life, can, life goes on, man. They got their justice, nothing is gonna bring them back and and that's just how it is. But these politicians, they playing y'all like a fiddle, man. Because it's like those, it's like those uh political operatives in Detroit told me. 
Black people are just going to vote Democrat. It means you're not going to pay attention to what you're going to get. All you know is the other side hates Black people. And, and how do you know that? Because the white Democrats won't let you forget that. The, mm. black, the, the black Democrats won't let you forget that. They're going to keep telling you, you know, they are racist. But even, even with Trump, Jason, when I think back in hindsight, when, when, when that Central Park Five documentary was released, they were already setting the stage to label Trump a racist. Nobody had called him a racist prior to that. He was surrounded with Black people, Black celebrities. All of them were his buddies. Even, In fact, if you want to know the truth, Trump is a liberal. He's a, he's a liberal who ran as a Republican. That's who he really is. That's all he's ever been around. And uh, Trump's sin isn't the Central Park Five. No, this it is isn't. But I'm saying that's when they, they started the no, campaign no, no, no. to paint him as a racist. Yeah, with that, that, that wasn't my main point, though. That okay. wasn't my main point. My, my main point is Trump's sin. And, and this, I would, you said that the white Democrats or whatever, Democrats are going to remind you that everybody that's conservative or Republican, they're racist. And I, I, I would remind isn't the word I would use. I would say they're going to tell you that. <laughs> and so well, they've been telling you for so long, they're going to remind you about the last time they told you that. But but the reality is, and this is a good segue to uh, and not that I want to move on from Kwame because I could talk about it forever. But but Trump's sin was questioning whether Obama was born in America. That's what convinced white black people that he was racist. He criticized Barack Obama. And, you know, in what the liberal media said was a racist way. And I'm just not someone, if someone accused me of being born in somewhere in Africa or whatever, I don't know if I would interpret that as racist. I interpret it as bad information. Mm -hmm. uh, I would interpret it as like uh, inaccuracy. But I don't. I would have no shame if I was born in some African country or city. That wouldn't shame me. Hell, matter of fact, the way Nigerians and everybody come over here, and the Africans that come over here to America kick our ass in achievement and all that, hell, it might be a compliment. But I, I get that Trump's, the whole Bertha thing was saying he's not, he's not qualified to be president or whatever. He doesn't meet the requirements. But that's what made Black people, oh my God, you criticized Obama. And we've turned Obama into Jesus. Oh, man. And we're, we're, we're offended. You could talk about Jesus. And and a lot of Democrats do. They Jesus is a hoax. Je there is no Jesus. Any of y'all that are religious, and we never get offended by that. But if you and again, because politics, as we've seen with the previous four years of Trump, politics is a blood sport. People say 
all kinds of crazy shit about each other in politics. And, and not just that, they will kill you. They killed John F. Kennedy over politics. And so I don't know what, getting murdered to me is worse than someone questioning what country you were born in. I'd rather have someone question where I was born than murder me. But this is what's commonplace. These they, they accuse the Clintons of killing people, their political opponents. That's worse than questioning where Obama was born. They they called the Clintons murderers. So again, it's, and they got a long list of people that died too, bro. Yeah, but but I'm just politics is a rough contact sport, and we got all up in our feelings because someone Trump is questioning where Obama was born, and now they're racist. And the the, the I, I think I sent you the article or mentioned to you that there's a Secret Service agent that wrote a book that says that she couldn't go anywhere without Michelle Obama being hit with racial slurs and racist signs and the Secret Service agent, I'm gonna read it. Michelle Obama's lead Secret Service agent, who was a female, reveals the former first lady could go nowhere in public without racial slurs being directed against her. She was outraged but powerless to protect her from the words and signs. She could only intervene if there was a physical threat. Man, Michelle Obama was followed by the media for eight years. And, And I'm supposed to believe that everywhere she went, she could go nowhere without being hit by racial slurs and signs and the media wasn't covering this? I just, I just, in this cell phone world that we live in, this type shit was going on. And I I just, I bring it up to just, I was never a critic of the Obamas. But at this point, I question what, what is their role? What is their intent? What... What are they trying to accomplish and have they been a positive influence or a detrimental influence on black people? Listen, so I'm no big fan of the Obamas, right? And and my reasoning for that, first of all, I was I was just as happy as everybody else when he got elected in 2008. By 2012, I felt like he was moving in a different direction. I think he started, he initiated all of this shift from from civil rights to gay rights. And I don't have anything against gays. I just think they need to fight their own fight and not hitch their cart to our horse, right? But I think Obama facilitated that to a great extent, and everyone, celebrities and politicians, the, the Congressional Black Caucus and everybody followed suit. So for that, that's where he lost me because it seemed like he was willing to just 
let people poach rights and protections that were designated for black people in particular. And, and again, when I hear talk of reparations, I believe the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was pretty much the reparations that people are talking about. They just didn't get, they didn't make it work for them, so now they're looking for some other reparations, but that's a different argument. However, I don't believe that story about people insulting her, but when they were in office in the White House, and I will say this, when I read articles and I went to the comments section, there was, no, I don't know if there's teams of people writing offensive things about them. They called them Mooshell, Big Mike, uh, Obama, they called them Obama. I, I mean, this was consistent. Any kind of article that allowed comments, you would read those comments, a story about the, the Obamas, and they would they was flooded with insults. And even though I don't, I'm no fan of his, I didn't care for that either. I saw Alex Jones and some other people who campaigned for Trump talking about, uh, they had a video of Michelle dancing with some white pants and the pants buckled a certain way by her crotch. And they were trying to insinuate that she had a penis down there. And, and they're saying that she's a man and all that. They, they kind of did it to themselves, Jason. Who did? They, but when, when, you, when you allow people to get away with attacking the Obamas in such a way that had nothing to do with their policies, and it almost forced black people to have to take their side because it was like, shit, you're only going at them because they're black. Now I tell, I'm honest, I don't care for the Obamas. I don't like the fact that Michelle is doing this podcast. I don't, I don't like that Obama, Barack is doing the podcast. One of her first guests I believe was Dwayne Wade's son who's now his daughter. So to me, they're part of the problem because they're, they're, they're part of this social engineering agenda for the black community, which I think is all about reducing our population and limiting our reproduction. And so when I look at them, I say, you know what? They look like the enemy to me. But truth is truth, though. If you're going to attack people, you got to attack them on the, on the issues. You so can't get personal like that. With lies and fabrications, then then you then it turns into something else. But, you gotta but attack them on the issues, man. Only because I was distracted, my brother just texted me. I may have missed. Where were these attacks happening? At you talking about comments, in on, the comment the section and articles. Like you would read articles online, and if they allowed comments, any stories about the Obamas, the comment sections were flooded with all kinds of racist, vile insults, man. It was, look, man, I, like, like I said, like I said, I don't know if there's a team of people because they do have teams that leave comments to try to influence things and so on and so forth. As you know, I've launched my site, schooltv.com and we want to have comments to the, to the articles, but we're trying to come up with a way to make people accountable for the things they say. Comment sections get rough, man. 
Yeah, I, I would have people register and connect yes. their Yeah, absolutely. That's, what we're, that's what we're working on now for their, that reason. Yeah. You're legitimate. But I just want to be clear because I don't want to remotely defend the kind of idiocy and vitriol that's in comment section. But having been a public figure, you know, a legitimate public figure since 1994 when I got to Kansas City and became a columnist. Internet postings and comments from anonymous people are ridiculous. And did I get them at the level of the Obamas? No, I'm not. I didn't have their power level Man, celebrity. It didn't, it didn't matter what publication, if they had comments. I, I got it. They I, didn't, there's boy, no publication it was that I've ever been published in or my work where I wasn't hit with racism, fat shaming, uh, just vitriol. I, yeah. Just, just vitriol. And so, and I know that there are, and again, I've never voted, so I'm not some political partisan. But I know there are Trump people going, have you ever read the comments and the shit that's been said about Trump? You know, he's supposed to be Adolf Hitler, the second coming. And so, again, what, what I'm saying is, like, I think I'd rather have Internet postings than be assassinated the way John F. Kennedy was. Politics that goes without saying, man. That goes without so saying. My point, though, is, like, politics is rough and tumble, you got to let that shit, and I, I don't care how bad it, you got to let that shit, that's anonymous people, and you don't even know who's doing it. It could be people trying to draw sympathy for you. It could be racist. It could be a mixture of both. It could be everything. Come, I'm just, you'll never see me why again. It, go did, you hear, did you hear what I said about when they had the video of, of Michelle dancing with the white pants on and the pants buckled? By a crotch, and they were insinuating that she had a penis down there. That they who, call a big who is Mike, they, though? Alex Jones and some others. And he was a big Trump supporter when Trump was running. Look, I think Trump appeared on his show. Look, Alex Jones, he specifically said that. Like, and again, I want to make it clear I'm not pro Obama, I don't like what they've done. I don't like what they're doing. But the other thing I don't like is, yo, propaganda from the left or the right. I think there's enough things wrong with Obama that you didn't have to go that way. And all I'm saying is when they go, when they stoop to those levels, it's only natural for black people to feel committed to have to support him. So they did that. They, they, forced, pe they forced people to circle the wagons, man. I, I get what you're saying. And so, and if that, let's accept your truth, which I'm not denying. There's this other side. And again, I'm not committed to any political party. I don't, I, I, they're all dishonest and crooks and blah, 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 <laughs> in my view. But just like you're saying, they did it. There's this Trump side that, trust me, they can go chapter and verse about all the shit that was said about Donald Trump and Melania Trump. And that side is sitting there saying, they, they did it. They made us rally around Trump because the attacks were so- It, it might've worked that way too. 
And so it may have worked that way. What my point is that there's vitriol flowing all directions in politics. And as politicians, you have to recognize that. As public figures, you have to recognize that. And it can't be, well, because I'm black, it's worse. Or because I'm white, it's worse. It's just all vitriol. And if if we're going to allow commenters, anonymous commenters at that, be the representation of this is what America's like, and if someone sends you, because I get nasty tweets every fucking day. I don't think it's an indictment of America. I don't think it's an indication of what America thinks about me. I think it's what cowards think and say. And I think it's what anonymity, allowing this level of anonymity, everybody, uh, we're America. And there used to be, we used to, there's a thing called a John Hancock. Because again, we used to respect people that would put their names on it. And we've created these social media platforms where you don't have to put your name on it. And so when you don't have to put your name on it, people sink to the lowest level. And that's why I don't have a burner account because I want to put my name on everything that holds me accountable and makes me seek my higher level of understanding rather than my lowest level. And I blame the government, the social media people, all they've legalized bots and artificial intelligence and algorithms that I think produce a lot of this stuff because they want us at each other's throats. They want us thinking the worst about each other. If everybody had to put their name on what they truly believe, watch how much better the the political and every other conversation in America would be. Yeah, and and you're right. Trump did get some some flack too because they were saying Melania was a, a prostitute. As a matter of fact, Webster Tartley, uh, the the author and, uh, and professor or whatever researcher, he was sued and lost and had to pay the Trumps for uh, for false allegations against Melania. And this guy's an academic, like he was supposed to have thoroughly researched this stuff. He went to court and lost. Man, they took him to the mat, and 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 he had to pay up. I don't know how much he had to pay or who paid it for him, but they were saying she was a prostitute and it's, it's, it's just a whole lot of things. And when people say stuff like that, right. And it's unfounded, whether it be about Michelle or Melania, I think they forced, forget the politicians. They, they forced the constituents, the people who identify with those politicians to feel even more of a need to, to support them. Because now it's like, forget politics, it's personal now. Now you're attacking what we believe in and what we love. And I think that's that's part of the manipulation game as well. You know, I, I, I just think that for sure. Well, I'll go and push into more of like the Obama's legacy. I'll say this in 2008, I thought like, man, 
I thought a couple of things. One, I, I, I almost voted, but when, when Obama threw Jeremiah Wright under the bus, I, was, I told my mother and father, I was like, he's just a typical politician. You, you can't say, you know, I'm a loyalty guy. Ain't no way yeah. I'm going to sit up in somebody's church for 20 years and then act like I'm not down with them or blah, blah, blah. You, you, you done heard, heard me tonight talk about, man, I was listening to Farrakhan tapes and blah, blah, blah. You, you just not, I'm going to keep it real. I'm not going to do this political. And so when he did that to Jeremiah Wright, I'm like, just a politician, I'm good. I was hopeful, though, that having a Black president and having one that, to me, appeared this smart, that after his term or terms, I thought race relations would improve in America. And we've created this situation where it feels like things are getting far, far worse. We, you know, social media has leaned into reporting and, and maybe it's a healthy thing. Maybe it's, it's long overdue, but anti-Asian crimes that appear to be mostly committed by black people. Uh, now we got the anti-Jewish crimes seeming in the pro-Palestinian groups here in America. It, it just seems like rather than being in a better place racially after the Obamas, we're in a much worse place. And are we, or is this social media creating this narrative? I, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I saw a footage of a black man on a bicycle in Florida who dumped a cooler full of human feces in front of a synagogue, right? And, and he had been committing acts of vandalism. I mean, he looked, he looked like a nut, you know what I mean? But that, that aside, what I found that's kind of fascinating is that a lot, some black people, right? they will buy into blaming other ethnic groups or whites or whatever you want for their problems because they define blackness as being in opposition of whiteness. So they lend their voice to any issue that seems to annoy white people. That's how they understand and define being pro-black. I think that's why a lot of people supported Kaepernick when he when he took a knee, because they saw how it pissed white people off. And if you define your blackness by opposition to whiteness, then you can't get more blacker than that. You know what I mean? Anything that annoys white people is black. And then you got another faction of black people because people like Farrakhan and others have pointed out uh, the Jewish involvement in the slave trade. And that might be, you know, I, I believe the Jews, or not the Jews, excuse me, 
Some Jews owned ships that transported the slaves, the Dutch East India Company, and so on and so forth. But the, the puzzling thing to me is, I don't think anybody profited from the slave trade more than the British royal family. And then you're the same black people that's mad at Jews for their role in the slave trade. They love Meghan Markle because she married into the British royal family. It's just, it's just all inconsistent. It's all over the place. And I think a lot of people are mad at their life and they're just looking for somebody to blame. And on the other side, they may be blaming immigrants because things are getting tough. I think as the economy gets worse, you're going to start seeing a lot more of quote unquote hate crimes because people are angry. And when the, when the economy is rough, there's going to be a lot more hate. And it looks like it's going to be real bad the second half of this year. I, I think that I, I'm I'm not optimistic. I, I think that uh, we're so polarized, and I, you know I loved your point about we've been convinced that pro-black is anti-white. Yeah, that that I, look, man. If you say anything that's not anti-white, you're like a sellout or a coon. Yeah. To me, pro-black is building up black people. It's not, it's not attacking white people or attacking Asians or attacking Jews. When I say pro-black, I mean, look, I'm trying to help my community. Yes. And so, but we've been convinced that the best way, there's two things you can do to be pro-black. You can say that white people are the worst people on the planet, or you can just litter your conversation with the N-word. <laughs> and anybody that says nigger repeatedly, oh, that's a real one. Uh, those are our two ways of showing our blackness, speaking bad about white people and saying the N-word. And uh, this is why I, I just go back to what identities should we be leaning into? And, and going out every day and trying to prove how black I am when being black has been defined as saying the N-word, uh, uh, being degenerate and uh, being violent if you're disrespected and expressing anti-white sentiment. Is that really the identity that we should be leaning to into and again, it's like, I could understand it up until 1964, because there were laws on the books that discriminated against black people. And so the identifying as black and understanding that, uh, you know, we had to move in a certain way together in order for protection, to promote freedom and all that, blah, blah. But what do you do on the other side of freedom? And I'm just sorry, when they passed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, they took all the laws, basically, that eliminated the laws 
that discriminated against race. And so now that we're on the other side of freedom, I just think the identity for me, I'm not saying for everybody, but it's American. I think the first is Christian, but two, American. And uh, I'm trying to connect with people that have some sort of spiritual values and have some form of patriotism and a work ethic and don't see themselves as a victim because now it's about your values. Do we share values? And the people that see me or black people as perpetual victims, I'm just not with that. My father wasn't a victim. I don't know any really successful black people who see themselves as victims other than I get the Obamas promote that shit. But uh, (laughs) all of that is why I don't mess with them, man. Yeah, I don't think they really believe it, but but not from Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I just, I guess I'm just skeptical about where we're at along racial lines, and it makes me. That's my disappointment. Obama could clean up a lot of this stuff and lead a healthy conversation about race, but they seem to. They're worth about two hundred million dollars now. They were the, he was the president for eight years. Uh, she was the first lady for eight years. I'm just sorry, they made it. They're not victims. I don't know if you can achieve any more than the Obamas have. And I, I, I think a lot of people have a false, a lot of black people have a false idea of what being, what being white is like. So they feel that unless they have a life that's struggle-free, no challenges, <laughs> that, 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 you know, it's because they're Black. You know, challenges come for everybody, man. And I just wish everybody would, would kind of run their own race. You said something key. You mentioned the word patriotism. And you will find it hard for for black people to say, yo, I'm a patriot. I love America. A lot of black people. Well, you got the Democratic Party pushing anti-Americanism. So if, if black people are not patriotic, it's because of the political ideology they've subscribed to isn't making patriotism a priority. I just saw where Joe Biden, he he uh, made it where U.S. embassies around the world could fly the pride flag on the same flagpole with the U.S. flag. So when, I, part of what I'm trying to say is, right, I think as a, as a community, as a collective, we've been misled and we've been misled by prominent black people who facilitate our misdirection. But at the end of the day, as your boy Kwame would say, it's white daddy pulling the strings. And I think other white people who are very comfortable criticizing black people 
and sometimes it's very well deserved. They could be more effective if they would focus on who's pulling the strings a little bit more than who's on the end of the strings. Because when you see black people not demonstrating the, the patriotism that they should, because this is the only home we got, man. Ain't nobody going nowhere else. Some people have moved to Africa. You better have some money. I'm sure they have their pension from over here going over there. Because if you just went to Africa on your own with nothing, with no money coming from this country to over, over there to support you, I don't know how you'd make it. I don't even know what you'd do if you get sick. I have no idea what the healthcare system is like over there or anything. I don't know. I, I just don't know. We have no place to go. And not only that, when you go to Africa, Africa is a tribal country. They, you know, they, they broke down by tribes. I saw in South Africa where they were slaughtering, hacking to death Mozambicans because they felt like they were coming into the country and taking money out of it. And when you know the history of the ANC, Mozambique allowed was a safe haven for the ANC and allowed them to train their troops in Mozambique, but nobody cares, man. It's 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 you had the, the Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda and all through Africa, they have their own tribal conflicts, and that's not me putting them down. That's just saying, how am I a black westerner gonna go over there? And where am I going to fit in? I'm by myself or maybe with a handful of other people who decided to take that step, but I have no home. That's their home. This is our home. And, 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 and the sooner we get to understand that and making the best of this place, the better off we'll be. That's my opinion. And, and Curtis, let me add to that because I can't remember the cat's name, but I was tight with for a while. He's one of the original, original, original people of rap music out of New York. And he now lives. I wrote a story about it. He criticized Jay-Z years ago. I, I could punch it in and remember his name. But we were tight for a while. And he lives over in Africa. And we were talking from him being over in Africa. And, and one of the main things that... American Blacks at all out Africa, blah, blah, blah. If you don't assimilate to their way of doing things, you really have no chance. None. And so I say that to make the point of we act like we have to do no assimilation to the dominant culture here in America. When we've done a bunch of it, all the way to these black women straightening their hair out. And now you got all these black men that's bleaching their hair blonde and, and blue and everything and else. All the other shit. And so, but we act like we don't want to do any assimilating when we do a bunch of it. And, and we act like it's inappropriate for America to say, hey, look, there's a culture here that works. And there's a, if you buy into it, You'll have success here. And we're acting like, nah, we ain't doing that. You know, we're going to create our own little bullshit culture of degeneracy. 
We're going to walk around with our pants hanging halfway off our ass. We're going to tat ourselves up. We're going to drop the N-word every chance in any setting we want. And y'all just got to accept that because we Black. And that's Black culture. And, you know, circling this all the way back to Kwame Brown. And maybe I'm so high on him because he's a ray of hope. And his success is a ray of hope. Uh, But that, to me, is what Kwame Brown is he's trying to bust up this highly negative culture that Charlemagne, Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes, uh, Stephen A. Smith, they're the gatekeepers of uh, Jamel he, Hill. He says the N-word a lot too, though, Jason. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I've, you know, when I talked to him, I was like, you know, if you could just do, but again, he's going to be as a, and what I think is actually going on is, this is where I, I agree with you, what you said at the beginning, is like, he's speaking the language that they understand initially to get them into the church. Yeah. And then once they get deep off into the study, they're going to find out this is what he's really about. And and so I, I right now I don't blame him, but I've seen enough. I, I, I'm going back and looked at shit he said over YouTube a year ago, uh, and and he he was not nearly as profane then as he is now. This dude is really intelligent, and I, I think after he builds up a nice following, and after he's late, he's put a few more dudes in vacants, as they say, uh, on the wire, because he put Charlemagne in one, he put Gilbert Arenas in one, he's working on Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes right now. They, they, he's, he's, he's body back. Jamel Hill got hers. Stephen A. Smith folded up quick. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Nice work. You enjoy this shit, ain't you? (laughs) And look, man, if the dude comes for me, I'm all good. As long as he's making a great point, to care less. Well, we know you don't care because they've been talking about you for years. They ain't bothered you one bit, bro. Yeah, but again, man, I think, I just think I, I, I want, for the black people watching, I want them to understand being pro-black is about building the community, helping the community, not necessarily being oppositional to anybody else. You know, when I saw when I saw that guy dropping that feces off at the synagogue, I'm wondering, like, yo, what do you think this is going to do? You know, um, I, I think it, it's it's weird because in the in the Arab slave trade, Arabs took so many blacks as slaves and nobody's holding them responsible for that. Instead, blacks are turning Muslim all the time. And listen, I got a brother who's Muslim. He goes to Juma every Friday. That's, that's his prerogative. He wants to be, you know, that's his spiritual connection or whatever. I don't have a problem with anyone's spirituality, but they're mixing their things up and they're politicizing religion 
and so on and so forth. Some may say that religion is spirituality politicized. I don't know, you know, but but but, <laughs> but they're getting so political with everything that they're doing mental gymnastics to make sense out of nonsense. Things have happened in the past. Um, and I think black people, especially us, when I say black people, I'm talking about us in the West, the descendants of slaves. I think we can find fault with just about any and everybody who didn't profit from our pain. Even Africans did, you know? So it, they're really selective in who they hate and when they hate them and how they hate them. They, they're mad at white people but they're all they're surrounded by white people. So to me, what I what I'm starting to realize is that black is an ideology, not a race. And white is an ideology, not a race. When you hear it in the in the context that we hear it in the mainstream media, because there's white people supporting black people who attack white people and using very, uh, you know, harsh language. But it doesn't bother them because they're attacking a specific ideology, white conservatism, Israelis, and so on and so forth. Ain't no Palestinians ever done nothing for black people, but Mark Lamar Hill, he's out there trying to connect uh, Palestine with, with the black struggle. I got news for you people. Before Israel was established, the British owned that land, controlled that land. Before them, it was the Turks. In Jesus' time, it was the Romans. I don't know what y'all think happened. That, that land has always been occupied by one occupying force after another. That's, that's the history over there. It got nothing to do with me, man. It, it got nothing to do with... All these black people, it got nothing to do with Mark Lamont Hill. But Mark Lamont Hill, he's a typical boot-licking gatekeeper. You think he really believes that nonsense about men could get pregnant? He might. I I don't know, because he's a little strange. He might believe that. But again, he's advocating for Palestine. He flew to, to Palestine with Black Lives Matter. And they had their photo op. Who paid for those plane tickets? You see, who you know they didn't pay for anything. They ain't got no money. These people are puppets on a string, man. That's what they are. Just waiting. Rent a Negro. What you need me to say? I got you covered. Just, just have my check waiting for me. And that's what they do, man. And they're misleading a whole lot of emotional, low-informed people who don't like to read, like that's why they don't like Twitter. And they want everything packaged to them in some comedic form. So they're not gonna get the news that they really need. I guess until now, Kwame's found a way to bridge that gap. My final thought, and I gotta bounce. All right. And it's circling back to something, you just brought me back to it. I, I, I don't think it's a thing people dislike to read. I just think Twitter, is a platform that's not built for substance. And I'm again, I'm just gonna say this, Kurt, the lesson I'm taking from Kevin Samuels 
Kwame Brown. They have some substance they're trying to unpack. They're not trying to do it over Twitter. I think you and I are making a mistake trying to unpack any level of substance over Twitter. Time will tell, Jason. Thank you. Have a safe trip, bro. Thank you. And and so just so I don't have to, because I'm like everybody else, to be sitting around, man, I'm waiting all day. Where's this politics going to drop? Uh, since we taped it on Monday night, uh, is this going? Are we going to bust this out a little earlier in the day? I, I don't. You know, I think we should. I gotta put you on the spot. Never mind. <laughs> you know, it's not me, man. It's up to Asia. It ain't got nothing to do with me, man. All right. All right, man. Right, okay. Uh, okay, later. Share, subscribe, and like our YouTube channel to get alerts for new episodes.